is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? I want to share something with you that I've probably never shared with the audience before, the, at least the radio or television program. I never wanted to be religious. It's a strange thing, you know, I was always turned off by religion and religious people. I sort of have thoughts in, in younger days of maybe being backed into a corner, you know, do you know the, you, do you know the Lord brother and have you given your heart to the Lord brother and, and sort of being coerced and trying to force a person into, I don't know, saying some words like, yeah, I believe in Jesus, whatever. I was always turned off by that. I remember really early in my life, probably I was around 12 or 13, we, my parents had this, this group of religious people over. They invited them into their house. I think, I, think, I think the church had asked them, my parents, if they would take these people in. It was called the Radford Group. And they were a group of nuts, a bunch of nutty religious people. And, and um, they blamed everything on a demon, you know. Uh, everything, every problem that you had was a demon, you know. And, and I, even at that age, I thought, boy, this is some weird stuff, you know. I don't want to be religious. I never want to be religious. But they blamed everything on a demon, you know. One guy started coughing, choking on a tr cracker, and someone said it was a peanut, peanut butter demon. I guess he was eating peanut butter crackers or something like that, but that was how bizarre this little group were. And, you know, they were into speaking in tongues, which to me was nothing more than a gibberish that no one could understand. And yet it sort of almost was like a drug to these people. It made them feel really good. And, and so the whole um, persona of religion really was a big turnoff for me uh, growing up. And then it wasn't that I didn't believe in God or I, I could see. I realized that, you know, man, that we cannot create something smarter than ourselves. And so I was wise enough, even at an early age, to realize, yeah, there's got to be a creator. I understood that. I mean, I, I knew I didn't create the sun. I knew no man created the sun and the starry night and the flowers and the tree and everything that I saw around me, you know, man cannot create something smarter than himself. So I knew there had to be a creator. I didn't deny the existence of God. I just didn't want anything to do with religion, if you understand what I'm saying. And, you know, people, teenage years, you know, running into people telling me that they're Christian. Well, I'm a Christian. My mother told me one time, she said, anybody has to tell you that, run like hell in the opposite direction. If they have to tell you they're a Christian, you know, they should, you know, they should set it by their example, you know, which made a lot of sense, by the way, but, but people having to tell me that they're a Christian right before they screw you or whatever, you know, <laughs> the car salesman telling you, that, hey, he's a Christian car salesman, and then he takes all your money or whatever, and he sells you a piece of junk. 
a, you know, a clunker or something like that, whatever. So when God called me at age 24, this was the last direction that I wanted to go. I mean, I, I really, and I think I resisted it for years after God called me. Because I really reluctantly went in that direction. Sometimes against my own will, you know, submitting to God, submitting to the will of God, submitting to God's law. I didn't care much for that either. All of that was really tough for me. I sort of came at it fighting against it. Didn't, didn't want to do a lot of things. I know for four years after God called me, I, I didn't, I would go to church, but I didn't want to dress up. But you know, do you know why I didn't want to dress up? Because I didn't want to look religious. I associated people dressing up in their nice suits and dresses as looking religious. And so I, I just wore casual clothes. I mean, um, corduroy, you know, a sweater or something. But I didn't wear a suit and tie, and I, I didn't want to look religious. And then, of course, one day my mother said, well, David, you know, if you can afford it, if you can't afford it, you ought to look your best when you appear before God. And so later I began to dress up a little bit and took her advice. When God called me, the thought of ministry never, ever crossed my mind. Believe me, it never crossed my mind. I totally was content with being a wallflower if I had my way, I would probably go to a big church where I could hide. You know, I'd go in, zip out, zip in, zip out, and yeah, you know, wallflower. I didn't want to be noticed or seen or anything like that. And I think later in, in ministry when I began to realize, okay, this is the direction God is wanting you to go, and that too was against my will to a large degree because I, I did not the concept of speaking before an audience or speaking in front of people just was appalling to me. Great fear, great resentment, rejection. I, I didn't want to do that. Did, did not want to do that. And I think one of the things I've struggled with is who am I to, re, to represent God? Because if, if God calls you into the ministry, you know, you are to represent Jesus Christ, you are to represent God. You are to, you know, who am I to represent God? Who am I to, to teach others? Who am I to show others? Who am I to lead others? It's always really bothered me because, you know, I sort of look at my own shortcomings and realize I come up short in this area and, and I really, I don't know if I want to go in that direction of representing my Savior Jesus Christ, who died for me, who loves me, who am I to represent this being? Now, I think it's okay for the Father to reveal who Jesus is. It's okay for the Bible to reveal who Christ is. And that's the approach I want to take today. Sort of get me out of the way, and let's take a look at how the Bible views Jesus Christ. In other words, don't believe me, but please believe your Bible, what your Bible says about Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go into this. Ephesians 3 and verse 9 
says this, and to make all men see, and this is what I'm trying to do, make all men see, that's what the Bible wants to do, what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. Now this is a great mystery that has been hid from the eyes of religious people and non-religious people. It's been hid from the world, and it is a mystery, what we're about to discover here. It's a mystery about who Jesus Christ is. Hold on to your seats, because chances are you've never heard this in church. All right, let's keep reading. Let's read it again. Okay. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Okay. God created all things by Jesus Christ. What does that tell you? Well, it tells you that as you consider the earth that travels around the sun at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour, when you consider that when you go to bed at night, from the time that you wake up, you've traveled over a half million miles on this spaceship called planet Earth, the God who created that was Jesus Christ. Photosynthesis. We can't live without that. You know, the green leafy, you know, the trees putting off fresh oxygen. And then, of course, they in return take in what we breathe out, carbon dioxide, and it's a, it's a cycle. But the God who put that in motion was none other than Jesus Christ. The tides, you know, the waves that go in and out and big old oceans that those large bodies of water have to move. They have to move around, stirred up. And so Jesus Christ created a, a moon, the gravitational pull of the moon on the earth, which causes those oceans tides to go in and out and, and to keep that water from stagnating because if it didn't have that gravitational pull of the moon, everything would die in the oceans and then we would die. You know, Christ Jesus created the hydrologic cycle that there is no new water on earth that the hydrologic cycle, you know, the, the clouds release their rain droplets on the earth and, and, and then the, of course the rain goes back into the rivers and, and then it's all just a continuous cycle, the evaporation from off the earth that turns into clouds and then the clouds are carried away and then they release their golden droplets of rain and then it, the rain goes into the rivers, the rivers goes into the ocean and it's just a continuous cycle. But Christ Jesus created that cycle we couldn't, live, we couldn't live without it, is, is the truth. The God who created light, the sun, was Jesus Christ. The God who created the heavens was Jesus Christ. The dry land, the waters that appeared, was none other than Christ Jesus. The power source came from the Father. The power to do God's pleasure, God's will, came from the Father. In other words, how did Jesus do all this? Well, the power source was that it came from the Father. Two members of the God family, the Father and the Son. But that's where he got his power. I mean, Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. 
But if we go back to this verse in Ephesians 3 and verse 9, God who created, God the Father, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the instrument the Father used to create all things. Again, Ephesians 3 and verse 9. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the, the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Let us make man in our own image. Two members of the God family talking. The Father and the Son. The one who begins to mold and sculpture a clay image in the form of a man was none other than Jesus Christ. John 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1 and verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Can you imagine what that was like for Jesus to be walking along when he came to this earth nearly 2,000 years ago, and he walked along, he came to this earth to die for our sins, walking along and saying, and realizing in his mind, I created all, I created all this. What was that like? To submit, to empty himself, and to submit to this physical experience, realizing who he was. John 1 and verse 11, He came into his own, and his own received him not. Speaking of the Jewish race of people, incredible. Jesus Christ was the instrument the Father used to do all things. The God being that spoke to Abraham, to Adam and Eve, that spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, was none other than Jesus Christ. The God being who wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger was none other than Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 and verse 1. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Yeah. Jesus made the world. All things was done by him. The instrument the Father used to do all things was none other than Jesus Christ. Now I know, you know, people think, okay, okay. Can you show me in the Bible where it was Jesus who interacted with the people of the Old Testament? Let's take a look at that. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that our fathers which were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. God's presence was in the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Who was this God? Let's continue reading and we're going to find out who this was. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2. And we're all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They walked across the Red Sea, which was a type of baptism. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 3. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. Verse 4. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Again, the instrument the Father used to do all things 
to interact with man, to give the law, to give the commandments, was none other than Jesus Christ. Colossians 1 and verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and in invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Speaking of Jesus Christ. The instrument, again, I hate to keep repeating myself, but you need to grasp what I'm saying. The instrument the Father used to do all things, to interact with mankind, to give the law, is none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus said this about the Father in John 5 and verse 37. And the Father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Speaking of the Father. Again, there are two members of the God family, the Father and the Son. The only interaction we can have with the Father comes through Christ Jesus. And it comes through in the form of prayer. Jesus said, when you pray, say, Our Father, which is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, why is this important to understand who Jesus is? Well, I'll tell you what. In John 8 and verse 58, little interaction between Jesus and the Pharisees. Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. You want to take note of that I am statement. Now this little I am statement nearly got him killed. But do you understand why it nearly got himself killed? Well, to understand why this I am statement nearly got him killed, we have to go back to Exodus 3 and verse 13. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. Now, this is fascinating. When Jesus said, I am, that he, when he made that I am statement, they, the Pharisees of Jesus' day, knew exactly what he was saying. Jesus was identifying, him, identifying himself as the God of the Old Testament, equal with God. He is the Son of God. And the Father did everything through the Son. The instrument that the Father used to do all things was none other than Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important to know who Jesus Christ is? Well, it's important because a lot of religious people don't know who he is. A lot of religious people have this concept that in the Old Testament, there's this old harsh, father, ridiculous God that went around giving these ridiculous commandments that no one could keep. And, and, you know, they just really struggle with this, identifying with the, God, the old harsh in their mind. Now, that what they're thinking is incorrect. But their old harsh father God back then, but in the New Testament, we have loving Jesus that sort of just came along, abolished all those ridiculous laws of his father. And they, don't, they look at him as two separate, you know, Father Old Testament, Jesus New Testament. No, 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 no. 
That's not what your Bible teaches. No. When Jesus said, I am that I am, he was identifying himself as the God of the Old Testament. Why is this important to understand who Jesus, Jesus Christ is? I'll tell you another reason. Many years ago, there was a radio talk show host made a statement like, something like, well, Jesus never in the New Testament condemned homosexuality. And, you, and if you're the typical non-thinking religious person, you would say, well, yeah, I've never read anything Jesus said about homosexuality in the, in the New Testament. You see, you don't know who Jesus Christ is. Leviticus 18 and verse 22 says this, you shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. Who said that? None other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that wrote that, said that, who gave that law. When you hear preachers talk about, well, Jesus came to abolish the law. He nailed it to his cross. No, 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 no. Jesus wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger. That's who Jesus Christ is. And he says, I change not. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13 and verse 8, let's read this. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. You see, there's an illusion, there is incredible confusion in people's minds about who Jesus Christ is. You cannot know Jesus unless you know who Jesus was before he came to this earth to die for our sins. Do you know who Jesus was before he came to this earth to die for our sins? That's my question. That's the million dollar question. And I'm telling you, most, well maybe not all, yeah, not all, but many, 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 many religious people do not know who Jesus was before he came to die for our sins. Before Abraham was, I am. And that little I am statement nearly got himself killed by the religious nuts of Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Colossians 1 and verse 16, For by him were all things created that are... Okay, let me back up. By him, who? Jesus. By him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him. You see, here's what you got to understand about Jesus Christ. Hear me when I say this. We have got to identify who Christ is and, and cut through the confusion that is in people's mind. Jesus Christ is not just the God of the New Testament. He's the God of the whole Bible. I'm David Freeman and I've just told you who Jesus Christ really is and that's what's really in your Bible your Bible will be nothing more than a book of contradictions until you understand who Jesus Christ really is
Your Bible reveals that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. Speaking of his pre-existence with the Father, Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. Prove to yourself who Jesus was before he became the Savior of the world. Order your free Bible study entitled, Jesus Christ, the God of the Old Testament. Order by writing to Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, check us out on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.com. If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Thank you.